Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by Una, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest here on the Sourcing Hero podcast is Stephanie Locker. Stephanie is the CEO and managing partner of Lockerbie & Company, where she and her team of consultants solve complex business problems for their Fortune 500 and private equity clients. Also relevant to today's conversation is that Lockerbie currently holds nine diverse supplier certifications at both the state and federal levels. So, hi, Stephanie. Thank you so much for being with me today. Hey, Kelly. Thanks for having me. And I only touched on your background and experience in my intro. So for before we start our main conversation today, what else should people know about your professional journey to this point? So I've been in procurement uh, and supply chain for a little over 15 years now. And I would say that my biggest differentiator is the fact that I've been doing a lot of consulting, both as a former big three, big four consultant, but then I'm also really great at uh, operationalizing things. So when I started my firm, I wanted to be really intentional with the types of employees that I hired, uh, with them being able to not only develop a really great strategy, but to make sure that it's something that can be operationalized. And then I also really wanted to be intentional with the diversity of our team. So um, we're not only a diverse company, but we're also a diverse team. So that whenever we create solutions for our clients, it best speaks to the employees, the customers that the client's trying to serve, and also the communities that they're within. Well, and it's interesting that you bring up, you know, your mindset around the importance of diversity. And I I shared the fact that you hold all of these different certifications. This is a movement that has seen a surge in popularity since 2020. And so I would be interested to get your either your current perspective or what you've seen changed over the last few years, just about the movement as a whole? Well, I've definitely seen an uptick with uh, movement in general. And I would say that I see a lot more intentionality with companies trying to meet the demand. Uh, I do see the numbers still remaining fairly low overall. Um, You know, the average customer that I see has diversity spend of 10% or less, and 10% is actually pretty good um, in comparison to others. So I think that I see overall companies at least trying. Um, where they're falling a little so- short still is definitely on that like implementation and kind of the long-term strategy where it's going to actually have an uptick in their spend and the amount of diverse suppliers that wind up in their supply chain. Well, in that I don't know, operationalization, if that's a word, of supplier diversity. That that really is where the rubber hits the road. I'm sure that is the difference between a company that has low single digits of diverse spend and somebody that's getting towards that 10%. When we think about the ownership model, I guess in my mind, there are two relevant definitions of ownership when it comes to supplier diversity. One is more from a traditional reporting standpoint, 
you know, how many FTEs in what size of organizations should be full-time dedicated to, to advancing supplier diversity and advocating for it internally, even supporting supplier search efforts. But what level of ownership should everyone in the company feel because they have some level of decision-making authority? Uh, what would you say around sort of those two different looks at ownership when it comes to supplier diversity? So that's a great question. And I do see that as being probably the largest challenge for most companies where they have a you know pretty big supplier diversity initiative or they want to see a lot of movement in their supplier diversity area, but they don't have any full-time people that are dedicated to it. Uh, where I also see a gap is when they do have a full-time person dedicated to it, they don't really have a good understanding of procurement. Uh, and there's typically a gap of you know, what the procurement team needs, what the business team needs. So what I would recommend to customers that really want to make that that change management impact is to leverage their employee resource groups, where it doesn't necessarily um, act as a full-time employee, but it's like a percentage of their focus. And I see that the adoption of supplier diversity uh, has a, a larger foothold in those, in, uh, in those instances, where... You have at least one full-time employee where they're dedicated to like the mentorship, the capacity building, the building of the database for diverse suppliers. And then you have like your internal champions where they start really getting them into the supply chain and signing some contracts. Now, we love our acronyms, right? So we're talking about supplier diversity, but sort of floating around in related areas, you also have DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. There's ESG, environmental, social, and governments, where a lot of times supplier diversity will fall under the S as part of the initiatives that are covered there. Now, I tend to think of DEI initiatives as being more around workforce diversity, uh, initiatives that would be headed up by HR, although they do have the same, let's say, driving values as a procurement-led supplier diversity program would. Uh, how would you describe either the differences or the similarities and overlap between what we might traditionally think about as a supplier diversity program and what more and more companies are tending to put under bigger umbrellas like DEI and ESG? Yeah, that's also a really great point where a lot of the DEI initiatives are put under HR, but not all of them are related to HR. So you know, DE&I, when it comes to workforce, is an amazing initiative and, in my opinion, an initiative that needs to be at every company, in addition to supplier diversity, but they can look very different and they can have different outcomes and, like, different people essentially leading those charges, although I think that they should be talking under one umbrella overall. So what I see work really well is having, like, a chief diversity, equity, and inclusion officer you also see the word, the letter uh, B now a lot, where it's diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, because you want it to ultimately give every individual the sense that the opinion that they belong. So with workforce diversity, that's, you know, the internal employees and making sure that the internal workforce is, is diverse. But then you also have board diversity, which means that your board represents the employees within the organization. And then you have a really strong focus on the diversity of the leadership. So whoever's making the decisions at the leadership level. Um, and then also on the supplier diversity end, you know, you have that directly impacting all of the services and goods that 
is supplying the not only the organization, but often the customers that the organization supports. So really having that full life cycle of diversity, I think, is what makes a really good company great. And I think that all of those need to be separate pillars within an overarching diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging program. Now, you talked a little bit before about adoption, and I think that's an important point. But when I think about discussing having a DEI officer, when you talk about board-level diversity, how important is it for there to be a strong connection between let's say procurement where most supplier diversity groups report and the executive and board level of the company where leadership is truly being lived out in a diverse way. Do you see sort of a correlation between companies that are successful with their supplier diversity programs and how that plays out internally from a leadership and guidance standpoint? Yeah, I see a a huge correlation with the success and adoption of that because they essentially become your internal champions. And I mean, people want to buy from people that look like them and that think like them and act like them. So the more diverse the employees are and the leadership is and the board is, the more diverse the suppliers naturally kind of become, uh, which ultimately gives you the perspective that you really need in order to make the best decisions for everyone. And I do see, I see a lot of success when supplier diversity sits within the procurement department, because that's really where the decisions start to be made when new diverse Mm -hmm. suppliers start getting into the procurement process. Um, But then also to your point, when you're getting diversity initiatives in front of all of your leadership and all the decision makers, that's when you see contracts actually get signed because Otherwise, it's just kind of like a checkbox or, oh, look how many diverse suppliers we included. But what you really want to see is the contracts that get signed, the um, even the exposure that the diverse suppliers have within the leadership, yeah. even if they don't win a contract. You know, Now they know that there's a supplier out there that maybe didn't get that one contract, but now we're thinking about them for the next one. And then that's when it's like the, the long-term sustainability uh, comes into play when it comes to sustainable mm-hmm. change. Now, let me ask you a little bit more about this idea of adoption. So as a sort of traditional procurement person, I think of adoption in a mostly technology-based sense. You know, we roll something out. Do people feel like it's easy to use? Is it intuitive? Do they need a lot of training? Does it achieve what they need it to achieve for them? And so therefore, is the company getting the intended ROI from that technology investment? How would you transfer that idea of adoption to, although there is technology involved, a more non-technology process-driven effort like supplier diversity? Yeah, so it goes more into the the contracts that get signed, the spend that goes to diverse suppliers, um, the opportunities that they have. And then from there, you can track the ROI when it comes to the increase in market share, because often the brand perception that your consumers have when they know that you have supplier initiatives, it increases significantly. I've seen it as high as 50% wow. for the um, for the perception for the customers. So you're going to start seeing a very large ROI in a lot of different ways. And you can start tracking the impact that it has. I mean, in, in really fun ways, I really think that the market share way is like the most exciting for me because, you know, it's a direct correlation into the customers that you're reaching and how you're reaching them. Um, But, you know, I I do a a presentation on that where there's 
at least 15 other ways that I kind of talk about on how you can really track the overall adoption, not even just from your internal employees, but also from your customers. Now, over the last couple of years, it's been a good time for supplier diversity. There's been a lot of new programs, a lot of new interest, new attention, new investment, but it hasn't necessarily made the job of the supplier diversity manager or director any easier. And I think that's something that a lot of us in procurement can relate to because, you know, first of all, no one says when they grow up, they want to be in procurement. That's okay. I love working in procurement. No five-year-olds are going to be dressing up as procurement professionals this Halloween. I've just come to terms with that. Um, And a lot of us don't even have applicable training from our education or from previous experiences. We sort of take a wavy path that leads us into procurement and we either love it and do well there and stay, or we learn a lot and then take those learnings on with us into another role. I think supplier diversity is similar in that there's not a a traditional career path or educational background that would lead someone into taking on that role. What would you say are the skill sets that tend to best set supplier diversity managers and directors up for success in that role? I feel like uh, the number one success factor is leadership buy-in and making sure that they feel empowered and have the backing of their leadership to make sure that things actually happen. And it's not just a check, a checkbox that they're checking. And it's not just, you know, a commitment that they're making, but it's actually something that they want to see come to fruition in a measurable, meaningful way. I see really good supplier diversity managers that have backgrounds in procurement and supply chain because they really understand the process and they understand what the business owners are going to be looking for when it comes to actually signing a contract and winning, winning an RFQ or an RFX process. And um, I also see really successful managers that have employee resource groups that they leverage where they really have strong internal champions that they want to see more supplier diversity. So when they, bring them a you know database of really great suppliers they're very open to it and so when they do get into that procurement process you see a lot more contracts actually get signed or, or even just a lot of times if they don't sign the contract they'll offer some different opportunities even if it's mentoring or capacity building sometimes the diverse company just isn't ready to do business with them yet but Oftentimes, you'll see the supplier diversity manager or the procurement professional or even the business professional where they offer a mentorship and a capacity building program with that diverse supplier where eventually they can get a contract with them or they can get a contract with someone else in their network. Now, the last question that I want to ask you specifically related to supplier diversity, and and this is one where... I'm genuinely torn, and I've heard compelling arguments from people on on sort of both sides of this. You know, I talked about the fact that, I mean, certainly supplier diversity is not new. In the U.S., I know it goes back to the 1960s and, and General Motors, so it's it's not like it's a new idea. But where it sits in the company and how it's run has been constantly evolving, and now we have, as we'd said earlier, potentially a DEI office, depending on the company, But then also the larger concept of ESG that supplier diversity potentially falls under. 
In your opinion, do you think coming under a larger umbrella helps supplier diversity because it provides more visibility, executive level tie-in, maybe more access to resources and staffing? Or do you think that there's a potential risk of supplier diversity having to battle for attention as one of many environmental and socially related causes that the company might believe in? Any uh, opinion or, or thoughts that you want to share about that? Yeah, I could see it happening both ways. I think having a dotted line into those resources is really important just as far as being able to position themselves within those movements in the company because those movements right now especially are very strong. However, if you have supplier diversity roll up into HR as an example, I don't I don't foresee that working out very well uh, long term. I I often don't see that work out Mm -hmm. very well if I do see how that's structured. I think procurement is generally the strongest area um, for them to be successful. But I also can see a lot of validity in it being in like some type of offshoot of like an ESG office or an overall chief diversity office because they might be a lot more empowered than they would be in procurement. So it kind of ultimately depends on the leadership of not only the organization, but the departments that oversee each of those like ESG and uh, chief diversity offices. But I do really like to see it in procurement because often it's it's very separate from that. And to me, it's very synergistic when, you know, procurement needs a di- or diverse supplier or just suppliers in general, and you automatically have that immediate feed into supplier diversity. And I also think that procurement should be a part of a lot of the supplier diversity conversations so that they start understanding the supply base as well. And then when they're helping their business units build out a vision or do market research, they already know kind of who's out there and who provides what. Yeah. And I think, you know, your point is interesting about sort of looking back to that leadership buy-in element, because if I think about it, and maybe this is why in my mind I can't figure out what the quote-unquote right answer is around diversity and ESG, you could have a company that has a really robust, clearly led, vision-driven ESG program, and that benefits supplier diversity. And you could also have a company where they have a big, sprawling ESG program, and your supplier diversity person or team ends up sort of fighting for resources and, and pushing to get air and mind space with people. So it, it really is an individual company decision and to what extent they're willing to make that commitment to supplier diversity, regardless of where it sits and who owns it and, and what else is going on. I think that's an excellent point. Thanks. I appreciate that. So at this point, this is where you get to go through the sourcing hero tradition, Stephanie. This has been asked in every Sourcing Hero podcast recorded since the beginning. And my listeners know, I hear from a lot of people that this is their favorite part of the conversation. It's a little bit like a podcast Rorschach test. So you get the option of answering one of two questions. The first question is, what does the idea of a Sourcing Hero mean to you? And the second one is, what do you think heroism looks like in a business context. And it's entirely up to you which one of those you answer. So I would like to take what heroism looks like in a business context. Um, I've thought about that a lot. And I really see a hero in the business sense 
as being a leader who truly empowers their employees for whatever initiative that they're doing. Because whenever I've felt deflated being within an organization or even working with clients is whenever I didn't feel supported and backed. And I really intentionally try to do that as a leader for uh, anyone that works with me or for me, where I really want them to feel like what they're doing is important, that I support them, and that I'm there to ultimately see their success in whatever way that looks to them. Um, and I really feel like anytime I think about you know someone I've seen as a mentor or a, a hero in the business sense is someone that has made me feel that way. Excellent. And I was just thinking, actually, as you as you said, which one you were going to pick should come up with a dollar value, because I think we're today based on this. You were probably taking what does heroism look like in a business context for a thousand, and I'm positive <laughs> that, that your answer gave you daily double credits. The first time it's occurred to me how much that sounds like Jeopardy. Um, Stephanie, thank you so much for being here with me and for sharing your point of view. For people that have listened in that would like to connect with you, get in touch, ask a question, learn more, what is the best way for them to reach out? Yeah, I'd love to hear from anyone that has any questions. You can send me an email. It's Stephanie, which is S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E at letsgetstrategic.com. Excellent. Thank you so much for being with me on The Sourcing Hero, Stephanie. Thank you, Kelly. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for the Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.